podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the leading Star Trek podcast for people named Matt and Andy. I'm Matt. And I'm Andy. And? I'm not Picard. That's right. Cisco is not Picard. Folks, it is DS9 time. It's been a, Exciting. It's been a while since sure we has. last visited you. We, we dropped some all good things in your pockets. Uh so many hours of it four four and a half i think it was a lot in the real world So we wanted to give you each the amount of time like if you listen to 20 minutes a day since it came out you might be done now (laughs) we really we left a lot of clues like taylor swift does with her videos and albums about uh, so if if you're looking you'll see all the all the secrets we left in there but you have to look at it very carefully keep listening and watching the video it's uh it's great to finally be here we're starting off this new five-year journey i'm calling it a five-year because that's how long it took us to get through tng it'll be interesting to see it will be interesting to see and then by the way i was thinking like if it does take us five years to get through ds9 it would be really fun to start discovery then for the public consumption Uh uh-huh because it would be so long since we had discussed season one of that show you mean for us to go back and like watch Pat, it again? Once we, yeah, once we got through DS Nine, yeah, I was just, I was just, it was just a thought. You don't have to deal with it right now. You can just look at me through half closed eyes. I, yeah. His eyes narrow as I say something. I'm the, uh, I'm not the captain of, uh, of this. Oh, also, station slash I'm ship. never gonna remember I said this. So <laughs> exactly, that's I, the point. I often. I often have to deal with uh, with commands you've made <laughs> that you've then forgotten, and then argue your own commands to you. <laughs> yeah, it's just part of the game, guys. Anyway, welcome. We're glad to be back. Your regularly scheduled program has resumed. This time, it's on a space station. Uh, Andy, I'm excited for you to finally see the show that everyone—not everyone, but most. A lot. I would say a, a, a majority of Star Trek fans think is the best, a good portion of the uh, sh- of the series. Should I run a series poll on is? the Patreon? You don't need to. Uh, I'll just say it's sixty three percent. That sounds exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your human poll. Um, so I'm excited. It's like uh, it's gonna be good. Finally rewatch it too. I haven't I haven't rewatched DS Nine in probably like five years or so. So. It'll be good. It'll be good to catch up. The, now, see, is DS9... See the show start slow. Is DS9 one... Is it your favorite? Which is your favorite? My favorite is TNG. So, But I is, think DS9 is dramatically the best storytelling. Is DS9 the one that... Because you always sort of, you know, you rank, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, TNG is based on well how much would I rewatch it how much would I keep watching it yeah is DS9 one that you're like I'm gonna watch this episode of DS9 or do, is it a, just you I mean there are there are episodes of it that I that I will do that with um uh-huh. I think my favorite episode is called for the uniform you'll eventually see that episode uh-huh. um 
but there aren't as many that I will go, I want to watch that and pop yeah. it on. Right. DS9's more of like a, I'm going to commit to watching DS9. Right. And then I'll watch like, you know, a few in a row or something. Take um, me out to the hollow suite. That's a hoot. You'll enjoy that one eventually. I'm excited. <laughs> I think I'm... I might have seen the Tribbles one because it had a TOS tie-in. Well, I mean, it's... That's but a I, fucking, not in a long time, so I'll be excited to watch it That's a phenomenal bit of uh, fan service right there. It's definitely... That's fan service done right. It's definitely... Because uh, I only watched... I, I watched some of the pilot. I'm not even sure, having watched this, mm-hmm. if I ever watched the whole pilot because I yeah. had no memory of the end of it. Um, and to be honest with you, I had no memory of the beginning of it. So, uh, it's definitely already my experience of watching that pilot is altered based on having gone through TNG. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, just to see the revisit of Wolf 359. It's and, so different. Uh, just having, you know, it's so funny too. Like, I really wonder who the TNG cast member was. They had written into the script that they didn't want to pay to be the one to tell O'Brien that he was in his ready room because like it's funny because like you're on the bridge of the enterprise I was gonna ask there's who no that one you recognize <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like and she and she whoever that lady is she talks to him as though the show itself is saying well you know who this is yep and O'Brien's reacting that way and she's talking to him in that tone like yeah it's it's not even like oh oh Chief O'Brien's back it's it's like hey how you doing it's me <laughs> Right, it's like, right. what? Who are these people? <laughs> uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, Andy. I don't know what the order of operations is here because, you know, since it's the first DS9 episode, we don't have any hails. We uh, do. But what do we, we have? Do, so we should do there be hails have some up? hails. Okay, because, there we go. Well, but first we do have some Admirals Club. So I was just continuing with our regular structure. Uh, Matt had sort of uh, did not want this to be a continuation sort of of, of uh you know, sort of dealing with all good things. So it's it's just a clean, clean cut. For those of you who are new, by the way, I can't imagine many are. But if anybody who's, you know, here for DS9 and wasn't here for TNG, this whole beginning part is uh, tends to, you know, we're going to start slightly shorter, still longer than most podcasts, and then the Hales part will get longer and longer and longer <laughs> over time because I have no self-control. And... Uh, uh... Look at the description, and I'll try to remember where to put the episode actually starting in. Generally, there you go. Yeah, we'll you want to listen to Hales? You can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But first, let's uh, step hey, into the Admirals Club. You know, the Admirals Club door sounds very different now. That's right. New space station, everybody. Welcome to the Admirals Club. So these are these are DS9 doors we're listening That's to. That's correct. This is exciting. Um, you know, yeah, I was like, hey, let me let me let me just spruce up the sound bank a little bit with sure. some DS9 sounds. Sure. Uh so yeah, Andy, this is the Admirals Club. Everybody, welcome. If you want to get in here, very easy to do. All you gotta do is leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Whatever place that podcasts are reviewed at, five stars. Thank you. Send in your your Animals Club entry, which is that review, and Andy might read it on the show. Who do we got this week? Matt, how do they get into the Animals Club? (laughs) I forgot to ask you. Longevity is the soul of wit from uh, The Lem 13. 
At five years of listening to the podcast, I'm still excited for each drop. They may ramble for three hours, about a 42-minute show, but it's the inside baseball elements of the industry that make this so much fun. That and listening to the top hits of the 90s. (laughs) I can't wait for the next five years and for them to never get better. Inside Baseball with Matt, Andy, and Captain Cisco. Commander at this point. Oh, it's perfect. Wow, nice. You're really on fire with the uh, the cues. You really got set today. Ready to go. <laughs> um, he is the O'Brien of the show. Um, yeah, that was when I I knew it was either a non-response to Inside Baseball, which is we're both TV writers. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know why I keep restacking it for new people. There's never going to be a new listener <laughs> on this show. Um, Let them figure it out. Don't we? Don't have to restack. They're gonna understand. Context and then clues. the second, we're all great. The second thing was, uh, I assumed you uh, you would have responded to either that or uh, can't wait for the next five years and for them to never get better. Wow! And you uh, and you just sat there and on got my better. Screen, I sat there and got better. That's what I did. <laughs> you were just like, I was. He's really the really offended, or we have lost contact. Oh, I was literally just looking. I was looking for that sound clip. So there you go. <laughs> no, I mean on my screen you were frozen. You were like this. That's because I was in. I was engaged with my screen and and only paying attention to what I had to do next. Better than TNG from SJ Scoop. After listening to the show since the beginning, I feel that I know the episodes just as well as watching the episodes themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a great ride from then until now, and I look forward to the next step after the end of TNG. Well, we're there, Scoop. Q Fanfare from Cantankerous Cactus. Uh, this podcast deserves to be rated by the universal standard of ratings. 7.5 Andes. <laughs> Take our rating <laughs> Which, system uh, and fair. still give us a 7.5. It's 7. a very 5. generous. It's very funny. It's a, it's a very generous Andes rating. That suggests that you uh, you would watch it again. Um and uh, and you know he gave us five out of five stars, so it doesn't matter. You can give us as many Andes as you want. <laughs> Uh, ready to rate from Certain Troublemaker. Uh, I started listening back in season one, but I wanted to be sure of the quality before giving it a seal of approval. <laughs> New bonus features <laughs> like Frank Sinatra Come On and Andy's Accent Corner? Check. Ex- uh, enhancements enhancements like jingles and sound cues? Check. Inability to deploy these in any kind of consistent or professional manner? Check. 176 episodes into a 178-episode series, plus one separated saucer section. I feel confident in rating the STTNC podcast 10 Andes. Podcast listeners everywhere, now you can jump on the bandwagon. Please don't blow it on the last one, guys. Well, we probably Um, did. we blow it? Who knows? Uh, Anyway, that's it for the Admirals Club. Let's get out of the Admirals Club. Head out here to the promenade. And uh, do we have anything on this side of things, Andy? Are there hails, I guess is my question. There are some hails and some priority one messages. But to be honest with you, it's been such a, a, a chaotic situation. I've been trying to drop stuff as we've gone that I don't know which is which. So, you know. Captain. Incoming message. Still works because Warf is on DS9. Not yet, though. I know, but pay attention. It's fine. (laughs) 
But uh, if you'd like to join the Patreon and get access to our Priority One messages, go to Patreon, Star Trek TNC. Oh, we got... we're in the President's Circle now? I don't know. Did you not? Did you oh want to drop this? Oh my goodness, for the, uh... we're in the President's Circle. Let me make appropriate fanfare. Uh, look, I don't, I don't know if we're in the President's Circle. Everybody. Welcome to the United Federation of Planets President's Circle. It's a great place. It's a great group of people. It's the same people who like the show. May maybe maybe you could join them in getting up to oh, I don't know. What are we doing right now? Seven podcasts oh, God, a month over there? Sixteen hours of bonus content a month. So much stuff is over there. If you want to hear all, every thought we ever had about Strange New Worlds, it's over there. Disco season one, two, and three are over there in the middle of season four right now. Voyager, we're up our, through season three. Our disco three. content, so we're now doing three episodes a month. Yes, and uh, Enterprise, we're in the middle of season two, or the beginning of season two. Uh, I mean, it's just there's just a lot of content. For anyone who likes Star Trek and anyone who tolerates us, head to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Now, Andy, we're in here. Have any of our wonderful President Circle members said anything? pertaining to us uh they've said stuff that is uh pertaining to us to ds9 but mostly uh they've gotten creative in preparation priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel there you go for the new show or the new you know ds9 uh they've gotten creative and given us uh extended their musical talent to us mark zenanek wrote Hi, Matt and Andy. I'm a huge fan of the Next Conversation podcast. I'm also a musician and know you're about to begin covering DS9. Had an idea for a DS9 jingle the other day and decided to record it. I've attached an MP3 of it here. Whether or not you decide to use it, please keep up the good work. Thank you. Uh, And if you could play Dabo. Ah, sure. I like Dabo. It's a fun game. Here we go. Games of chance among the stars Gonna win me some gold-pressed platinum bars Dabo, Dabo Talking about Dabo, Dabo I don't know when we would use that, but I like it. I don't either. That was what I kind of thought was funny about it. (laughs) I'll just keep it on the back burner. It's going to stay over here and we'll see what happens. At some point, we'll be witnessing somebody playing Dabo and we'll need that that cue. Um, This is from Robert Ziegler, who writes Andy's Turmoil. Uh, I'm listening to the the pod for my first time. And circa late season one, there's a moment where Matt asks Andy to choose... Just the two best hails to read after going 38 minutes the week before, and any subsequent inability to choose is one of the most wonderful things I've ever heard in a podcast. You two have a hilarious chemistry, and the pod is a joy to listen to. I'm looking forward to many hours of enjoyable content to come. Thank you both. Sincerely, Robert. I thought this was just funny. I've been trying to rein it in the for beginning. that long. It's very funny. And to already me. then, he knew he's, he's, he's just got a slight. 
a slight glimpse oh. into what. Well, it's I just become. you know I've been podcasting. I was podcasting for a little bit before we started this one, and I just like I just I just I just know that things can get unwieldy at some points, and uh, luckily we haven't reached that point yet. So no, no, and it's not unwieldy yet. <laughs> uh, Deep Space Nine MVC song suggestion from Ann Chamberlain. Uh, says, Dear Matt and Andy, for some reason, this is the song that came into my head when I thought of a new MVC song for DS9 as a 90s kid. I guess it makes sense. Hope you enjoy, and I won't be offended if you all don't want to use it long term. Got to keep those podcasts to a tight one hour, 45, sometimes three hours. So <laughs> I understand. Uh, winky face. Uh, haha, you guys are awesome. Uh, also, I introduced my friend, to uh, now fiancé, to you guys. Congratulations, Anne. And uh, we've I'm, loved I'm listening. taking all credit for your marriage. Uh, yeah. We finally have something loved, to share, so thanks. We've loved listening on road trips and having both Star Trek and Star Wars discussions and debates thanks to the many Star Wars side tangents. Please keep them coming. Thanks for all you do. Best. And Chamberlain, this will be... Uh, the MVC. Who will it be? Okay, here we go. Who's gonna be the very best this week on DS9? <laughs> Among the crew, who stands the test? Who saves it all just in time? Lots of characters on the show. The list is really long. Bashir, Jagarik, and Odo. Gotta say them fast to fit the song. MVC, who will it be? <laughs> O'Brien, Kira, or Nog, maybe. Cisco, Dax, and Quark make three. MVC, who will it be? Who will it be? MVC. I mean, that's a great. That is fantastic, and and also I love the uh, just good energy. That's more energy than we've ever brought to the show. Well, I think Ann Chamberlain is a, a professional musical theater person. Is my vague understanding. I mean, that doesn't matter. The what, hails? what matters is that they've succeeded in exceeding any energy we've ever brought to the show we've been doing for five years. So I'm Thank proud, Tana Chamberlain. I love uh, it. She has a. Sh- she mentioned she has a short every version. Character. If you want to use that, I know it's uh, impressive. Uh, only one character you haven't met yet. Uh, that's Garrick. You'll meet him soon. He's a tailor. Works at the promenade. Um, <laughs> I like the sound of that already. <laughs> <laughs> playing, spending time on a on a tailor character <laughs> who may or may not have previously been in the Cardassian Secret Service. Don't worry about it, Andy. It's all good. Lots uh-huh. of fun. So there's a shorter version in there. We'll we'll do you want to hear the shorter version or No, we can save that for the end or whatever you want. Sifta. Uh Heath Anert Honert um writes Hi Andy. Sometimes when I'm grading, I use Star Trek soundtracks to get me through the tedium. I was using the soundtrack to Emissary when this bonkers music started up. I'd look closer at the track, and the experience only got better when I saw that the track was called Cucumbers in Space. Uh, I've always wanted to share the heads up to be on the listen for this weird but awesome tune playing in the background of Quark's Bar, but DS9 was so far off. But here we are. 
Uh, and then you pointed out the MVC jingle would need an update. And, well, I had a terrible idea. Here is the mashup no one asked for. So this is Heath's DS9 MVC. Uh, uh, Most valuable uh, character. Is it not in there? I just pulled, the, I pull, I just pulled one of them in twice. Man. Here it is. <laughs> so we've watched some tales on a spinning disc And our heroes overcome some complicated risk Who should rise to the top of a coveted list Of savers of the station among the enlisted Old friend O'Brien, Dax, Dr. Cisco You know that's one of the tricks Though Odo, Quark, Kira, gonna make us fix A definition of most valuable crew It's up to Matt and Andy what they're gonna do it's it's Garrick. <laughs> Garrick and another shout out on NBC. Uh, Very popular. When does he show up? Uh, soon. Um, but what's funny about that is like I noticed I noted that music also because it's when that's the, not always playing, is it? That's gonna no drive me no. It's when the person is playing the what looks like uh, sheets of granite. <laughs> Like uh-huh. sheets of black granite, the what I'll call the rock tree, which reminded Love me a it. lot of the future musical instruments of the ceremonial uh, rhythms that uh, Wesley points out in the episode where they're uh, what's it called peak performance. Sure, when the guys, when you know, the guy challenges Data to what is it? No, it's not that one. Maybe it I, is. I remember the vibe of yeah. of the terrible musical instrument. It's from also the yes. It's from uh, it's from uh, it's, it's from Menage Troy. It's from Menage Troy. That episode, right? Oh, okay, because that's what is it? God damn it! Now my brain's broken. I don't have. I'm not good on the the titles other than the biggies. Um. He's doing his research. He's getting his hands dirty. I'm gonna. Is it Algolian? What are they? Um, oh yes. Oh the, my god. It's Algolian ceremonial rhythms. My brain succeeded. Which episode was it? Menage it Troy was performance. Menage Troy. Um, a lot of you sent in more. A lot of sounds, and uh, I kind of didn't want to play them all in one. In one episode, so I'm going to be sort of spreading them out. If I miss them, feel free to to prod at me. Uh, but uh, Heath had, uh, he said, then while I was at it, I tickered with the podcast title theme, too. Um, so it's this is Heath TNC Open. Podcast in the frontier. <laughs> These are the conversations of the amalgamation Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission, still true, to stumble on workplace drama with derived civilizations, to idly watch episodes 
that one of them has watched before. It's <laughs> good. I faded out because that's the. I like it. Um, you know, the promenade music always just makes me think of Star Trek Las Vegas. Because that was what would be playing when you'd get off the ride and open up into the promenade. I'll never stop regretting that I didn't. Uh, I was right there. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't care as much. That's, so I yeah. was. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I was. I said, "Well, we'll go back the next day," and then we couldn't go back the next day. These things happen. Was, um, Carpe diem, everyone. It's not like I thought they would ever close it. <laughs> uh, David Veenstra uh, writes. I think I might have mentioned this to you before. I don't know where to post something about DS Nine. Here it goes. Um, since DS Nine covers the same time as TNG and Voyager. Mm-hmm. We can't use Frank Sinatra or Seinfeld without repeating ourselves. Right. I feel like this is a an example of a command decision that you have reversed yourself on several times. So I'm I, I'm just this is my way of checking it as I bring it up on the podcast to see where you land. We should instead check and see if Cork's Bar serves uh, tossed salad and scrambled eggs and check in with Frasier. It's perfect <laughs> because Frasier and DS9 are both spinoffs that brought a character over from popular show. Both shows have guest stars from the parent show. It would be excellent. Others then were, you know, concerned. <laughs> it's just like, is this too much of a crossover with your other podcast? So I don't know. Oh, it's not too much of a crime. I mean, I'm always happy to catch up on whatever's happening in Seattle. So that's that's still to be determined unless you want to make a command decision now. Uh it fe- felt like you were you had decided that we were putting Frank Sinatra to arrest. Well, I mean, <laughs> really just like the Lord did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so we will either replace that segment or not replace that segment. It, it'll be organic. Whatever it is, it'll happen. And then we'll forget about it. And someone will put a jingle together and we'll be like, all right, we're doing that. <laughs> uh, on that note of new segments elsewhere in Trek, uh, from your best friend, Lieutenant Tom Bondurant, from the Patreon. Uh, good morning, Andy. Hello, Tom. Thanks again for the uh, All Good Things live stream. Uh, no problem. <laughs> That's how long ago you sent this. Here's the first installment of Elsewhere in Trek, the feature I and many others, including the folks in the live stream, demanded it will let you and Matt know what the other Trek shows were up to during the... Uh, that week's DS9. So, oh, okay. So I guess I'll save this for after after this this week in Trek. Um, but well, uh, that, is that something that you would, think you want think as an ongoing more accurately. thing? That would be the that would be the actual this week in Trek. That would be the actual this week in Trek. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's really that's this week while Trek was on. Yeah, was our original thing. But um, do you think you want that as an ongoing? I'll take it. Segment? Deal. Um, Okay, then I'm going to save that for when I'm done with the other thing. Adrian, sorry if I'm spelling that wrong. 32 minutes into the episode that doesn't have hails. Continue. The full run of TNG (laughs) took five point... This is is vastly reduced (laughs) from what was in front of me. The full run of TNG took 5.5 years, January 7th, 2017 to 2000. 
June 2022. In total, you made oh, this is a whole breakdown. You made 194 episodes of main feed of the main feed podcast, but 176 of them were covering TNG. Mm-hmm. There were also two documentaries, one Rise of Skywalker. Mm. We covered Rise of Skywalker on the main feed. I don't even remember that. We did. We didn't. We didn't follow it up with. Uh, I think we were just the other ones, We were just huh? so annoyed by it that we had to discuss it. Uh, Eleven Picard, one Strange New Worlds, and two saucer sections. You made an average of thirty-five point eight episodes a year. Peak was two thousand twenty with forty-eight, uh, and an average of twenty-seven point nine. TNG episodes per year. DS9 also has 176 episodes at 35.8 per year. That'll be 4.91 years, four years, 10 months, and 27 days. At 27.9 a year, it'll take 6.3 years, six years, and 18 days. So my bet is your DS9 finale will happen sometime between May 5th, 2027 and September 26th. 2028. Maybe we should guess the finale date with a figurine on the line. Holy shit. I'd love to see a pool happening. That's crazy. I mean, it's also to think about the fact that like Henry will be like eight years old when I'm done. Yeah, I wonder if you'll have you'll you'll have you'll have tricked him into watching Star Trek by Oh, I'd point. love to get his thoughts. Like that would be a segment like when he's five. Like, Henry, what are your thoughts on this DS9 episode? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have a Henry segment. Me too. Um, there, there, Matt. That's it for the hails. Oh. I'll be playing more of your other MVC hails uh, in coming episodes or whatever they are. Use for it. frequencies closed, sir. Well, I mean, ignore that. That's Tasha. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Feel free to send in your DS9 appropriate sound cues to replace them. Yeah, I was looking for some today, um, and I will keep looking, actually. So so now, this week, in track, unless we're renaming it, segment two, the song, the number one song in the U.S. for January 3rd, 1993, was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Okie dokie, let's, uh, what did I do with that? Oh, when the internet went down, I... Sort of collapse everything else. Also, the number one song in the UK, by the way. An infrequent occurrence. Usually it's, as we know, something we know here and something we're baffled by over in Britain. That is all I'm taking with me. What else is happening out there, Andy? Number one movie, Aladdin. Number one alternative song, Steam by Peter Gabriel. Hmm. Number number one TV show that week, 60 Minutes. First that week, singer Zayn Malik. Listen to that. What an accomplishment. Events, the Elvis commemorative postage stamp goes on sale. NBC offers The Tonight Show to David Letterman. Letterman. (laughs) That's that's a little moment in time. Uh, ABC and CBS both release Amy Fisher TV movies on the exact same day and time. The ABC one, starring Drew Barrymore, beats the CBS one, starring Alyssa Milano in the ratings. Uh, Time Magazine cover, Man of the Year, Bill 
Clinton, uh, our friend who uh, does the uh, This Week in Treks for us. Such an honorable and appreciated service, Lieutenant Commander Zach Wilson has added number one alternative comedy song to the mix. All right. So if you want, sometimes I can throw that in. That's funny. That's funny. Inherently, uh, because they're comedy songs. And then lastly, in Moscow, uh, Presidents George H.W. Bush and Boris Yeltsin signed the second strategic arms reduction treaty. But we worked out all our issues with Russia since then. Huzzah. That's it. All right, Andy, that'll bring us wait, into wait. Oh. Wait, wait. Before we do that, let me now then go to Elsewhere on Trek. Oh, uh, so we have I it apologize. ready for the first week. Tom I didn't realize Bondron, that. Yes. Uh, on January 6, 1993, TNG's cast and crew started filming part two of Birthright. Part one had been shot partly on the DS9 sets, guest starring uh, Dr. Bashir, oh, I remember, and featuring the Enterprise's return to the station. Sadly, part two involved none of that. There was no new TNG episode that week. Chain of Command Part 2 had aired the week of December 21st, 1992. That meant DS9 never knew a world without a Delta shift or a properly uniformed Troy. <laughs> also, with Picard just a couple of weeks into his recovery from Cardassian torture, it was a great time for a layover at a former Cardassian base. <laughs> at least no one would remind him of any other literally soul-crushing experiences. <laughs> That's great. That no one there would remind him. That's great. Sorry, I kind um, Great job, Tom. Uh, does that does that that does it? That does it. Sorry. Okay. I'm glad we got there. Sort of. Eventually. Here we go. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. All right, it's time to talk about this week's episode. I'm going to jump back to my Wi-Fi. Well. I'm going to drop back to my Wi-Fi to see what happens. Because my wife said it's back. He's working off of his phone. What kind of what kind of O'Brien Jerry Regan is that, huh? Did this work? Did it work? See if it's Andy, working. Are you there yet? It's a lot of. Uh, I mean, we're about to get into it, but uh, oh, so oh I think, yeah, yes, I it lost worked. It, for a it did. That's great. Did it work? Great. I hopped over. All right. I like you know. It was good. I felt like I jumped through a stable wormhole. It's funny how attuned we are to each other that even a moment, oh, no. even an instant where you're not responding to my cell phone me. a better connection? <laughs> I see. I think it's happening right oh, now. Oh, God. Oh, my God. What's happening? Oh, man. Hello, Andy? I can't. Oh, my God. Matt. Is my phone a better connection than my fucking actual internet? I, uh, maybe. Oh, that's ridiculous. You've been freezing. Yeah, I was frozen. Just like the movie. Taken. Did you let it go? <laughs> you were just frozen, just like in the movie Taken. <laughs> yeah, that was the joke. It was fun. Thanks for participating. <laughs> uh, I'm going to assume that just was a hiccup and we're all good now. 
Anyway, that brings us to Emissary, D Space Nine. <laughs> nothing, nothing will ever go wrong with the show again. Season one, episode one and two. This is a double length episode that uh, first aired 3rd of January, 93. And it was a teleplay by Michael Piller, story by Michael Piller and Rick Berman. And it was directed by TNG mainstay David Carson. Uh, and Drew, Matt. I'm going to read you the memory alpha synopsis. Or logline. Three years after his wife died at the hands of the Borg and following the Cardassian withdrawal from the planet Bajor, Commander Benjamin Sisko and a new crew of Starfleet and Bajoran officers take command of an abandoned Cardassian space station and make an incredible discovery that will change the galaxy and Sisko's future. Ooh. Exciting. Let's get it. Let's get your let's get your uh Let's get your vibes here on on this show. Like curious about like what your main I don't know, I don't know how to do this in a way that's interesting. I mean, I have a lot I obviously it's a whole new world. Not a new world. A whole new world. Aladdin was number one this week. That's appropriate. Uh it's a whole new corner of the universe it's a whole, it's a whole, it's a whole new side of uh, starfleet i love the scroll it's so military and uh i'm john picard of the federation starfish ship enterprise was kidnapped for it's six sort of, days it's sort of weird that they throw that in i guess force. it's huh well you gotta like if you're if anyone's gonna come in cold you gotta have that information i guess that's true um, it's funny though that that scroll makes it feel more like a uh, 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 like a sci-fi channel show yeah. where you're just like here is a bunch of a bunch of sci-fi gobbledygook here for sure <laughs> you will disarm your weapons and escort us to sector zero zero one if you attempt to intervene we will destroy you red alert load our torpedo bays ready phasers move us to position alpha ensign Now we never saw. We saw uh, the a Borg cube blast a bunch of. Yeah, this does give us a little starships, a little more. But not this. We didn't see them. This particular right with the old birth class and the ambassador class taking a run at the at the. Yeah. Uh, no, we did not see that. Sorry, that was a nebula, nebula class and a ambassador class. Is the nebula Savior, one with the weird Savior disc emails. on the on the back nacelle? The giant sensor array or torpedo launcher, if you uh, depending on what you read. It's a yeah. it's a removable uh, module. You know, it could be anything. A torpedo launcher would make more sense because part of my question about this is that when he's like, get the civilians on the, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. in the escape pods, it's like, they brought civilians to go fight the Borg? Well, I think it was kind of the situation like you always hear with the Enterprise, like we're the nearest starship, so they go. Right. And so it's just like, all right, well, we got our... But it is interesting to me that they decided in canon that Starfleet vessels, even of this size, would have civilian populations. Right. Like, I kind of always assumed it was the galaxy class was just so big that they could accommodate that thing. This is such a TNG question, but it never really occurred to me before this, since you're addressing it this way. Were they... Like, what percentage do we think was just 
as with Cisco, but this is relatives or this is, you know, or is it like, is everyone that's on there the equivalent of a, um, a civilian that's like an expert in something or it's going to be useful in some, because you never see them in any of the plots more, by and large. It's just a mix. It's just some of them are just regular Joes that just got to go to space. I always assumed it was like, you know, you had to have that bartender. Remember that bartender in Lower Decks who worked at 10 Forward? You got Guinan. You got Guinan rolling around. Yeah. Guinan seemed to have, she had a special relationship though. She was Picard's best friend. I think we've, it's established. (laughs) Um, uh, Here's the other question I had right off the top. So, Cisco is a commander here. He is not a captain. Yes. He's a lieutenant. And he is a, a commander, commander here. A lieutenant commander. And he is a commander on DS9 yeah, also? Yeah. So is he ever a captain later? Or yes. Yeah, is, he gets promoted. But isn't he... Uh, maybe uh, this is this is a, this is a, uh, a dumbness about the, the, the rankings. I thought as soon as you're sort of put in charge of a... A large vessel slash station. No. You're a captain. If you remember, like, remember the annoying guy who was great at small talk in the episode Starship Mine? Mm, vaguely. Who was in charge of that? Uh, who was in charge? You know, he made small talk with Data uh-huh. about the weather and talked about horses. And anyway, he was a commander too. He was just he was in charge of that base. So. Okay. It seems like Starfleet does put commanders in charge of stations and bases and stuff like that. Okay. Because they have the command experience. They're just not, you know, Starfleet captains or starship captains, rather. Um, well, whatever the case, just such a kick ass. I mean, it's I just don't. I almost wonder if I missed the opening and or I had so little investment at this point that I didn't care because now I think you didn't care. I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh, my God, what a fantastic, such a brilliant choice. I don't want to say it was pillar, but to to open it this way, like one of the one of the coolest battles you could. Mm-hmm. And then it ending with the, you know, the just all the drama of him losing his wife and, and the full on fight with the with the different vessels in the Borg ship. And then uh and then the the shuttle's eye view leaving the ship as it's destroyed. That's cool. Oh my gosh. So awesome. Modulation is having no effect. Shields have failed. Full reverse. Classic blow up. That- yeah, what, what go ahead. Rocks and sparks. Rocks that and sparks. Is, that uh, captain is a Vulcan, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure. He looked a little Romulan to me. Doesn't make any sense. No, that would not make any sense. Andy, I'm glad you're familiar with the canon now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was the problem. Take. Warning. Damage to warp core. Containment failure in three minutes. A Bolian? Yeah. Uh, Maybe he's that they were all Mott's brother. That they were all barbers. Uh, some of them are, you know. Some of them uh, end up in Starfleet. Yeah. 
I mean, just I love the I love I love Avery Brooks. He's gone. There's nothing we can do. We have to leave. Warning: damage to warp core. Containment failure in two minutes. Benson, take the boy. Hi, sir. Where should I put him now, sir? Damn it! We just can't leave her here. I guess that's true. I, I sort of even just translated it to being a shuttle in my head, but I guess it is an escape chain. Take your It's very rare you see this kind of evacuation from the perspective of the people that are evacuating. It's, it's always people saying, well, just make sure that they get away while we basically survive this situation. Uh... Yeah, three years later, they're on a... What are they on? They're in the holodeck? On a ship that I don't... Uh, uh, They're in a classic holodeck (laughs) fake-out sequence. Fishing. Now I I understand why he's in suspenders. I was like, isn't Jake a little old for suspenders? (laughs) Sticking this kid in suspenders? Well, you gotta stick him in suspenders. Otherwise, the fishing pole makes no sense. Sure. You know, as time flows, so too do the fashion choices of Huck Finn. I will say, I even enjoyed, because I do remember watching the the opening credits Mm -hmm. originally and being like, this is it. Is it going to be zooming around this thing? And now I'm watching and I'm like, this is really cool. (laughs) Well, also, they add the wormhole to it later. Well, that is true. Maybe in the second episode, I think. I'm more impressed with the design of Deep Space Nine itself than I think I was originally. For those who don't know, although uh, I assume I've said it enough, I watched this pilot episode. I decided this is a parking lot in space. I am not watching this Star Trek show. I'm done. That's an interesting hard line to take for someone who's only kind of a fan. Well, I was a big fan of TOS. I like how you were a fan of TOS. You gave TNG a little bit of a try and then gave this half a try. Well, I already felt like I was like but, not on but board then with TNG. swung back for Voyager for some reason. That is, that is when I thought when I was watching this episode, I was like, why, did, why was Voyager the one? But I think Voyager had at least, and I think their intention was that they were going for a little of the spirit of TOS of like they're in deep, you know, they're in farther out, Yeah, much more dangerous things happening. And obviously it didn't go to the degree that Ron Moore wanted it to go to, but it did go to a certain degree there. And so I think that just hooked me. And then Jerry Ryan, you know, secured it for me. Mm. So Terry Farrell couldn't do it for you here. Apparently not. Apparently Terry Farrell not, Nana Visitor. Uh, not my speed. Nana not Visitor? Young, not young man <laughs> Andrew Secunda's speed. What? Nana Visitor didn't do it for you either? Nana Visitor, I, it's odd, because obviously I was a huge Roe fan. And by the way, all the dialogue feels like it's just Ensign It Roe. feels like it's right, totally right. And it, that I did kind of watching this this time. I was like, oh man, why couldn't it have been Roe? That would have been great. I know that all of you are huge Nana Visitor boosters. And so, um, and I think she does a g- great job here. And they pick someone who clearly 
can handle the you know the the aggressive attitude of a Bajoran, but uh, and uh, she's very charismatic. Um, but uh, apparently, no, apparently I wasn't uh, on board. Hmm. Space Nine, Commander Benjamin Sisko, starting. So who knows? Four six three eight eight point two. At the request of the Bajoran Provisional Government, Starfleet has agreed to establish a Federation presence in this system following the withdrawal of the Cardassian Occupational Forces. The first contingent of officers, including my Chief of Operations, Miles O'Brien, arrived two days ago on the Enterprise. I'm told the Cardassians decided to have some fun the day they left. Four Bajorans were killed. I do wonder what the thought process was by the creative team to be like, let's 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 give Colmini this job. Well, he's someone who's not used as much on TNG. I know, but he's... like, to, usually they want to go like a whole new fresh cast, you know. But they are trying to pull over TNG people, aren't they? Right, hence Picard being in it. Right. But I'm just like, I'm fascinated by the decision. Like, I wonder if it was ever not O'Brien, or I wonder if it was ever someone else. They must have circulated through several different people. It is odd, though, when you think about it, that it's like, you know, obviously you're going to Michelle Forbes because she's so charismatic and, and that character is so awesome. <laughs> so says I. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's like, oh, yeah, what if we move her over here? She's in, we're not really going to use her, you know, in the other show. That falls apart. Um, O'Brien, a character that's very likable, and you can see you could use him in various ways on this. But it is interesting in all the time they spent on TNG that they didn't decide to do that with everyone. And I wonder, I wonder if there's a financial reason or if it's just, you know, it's like the same reason that they don't end up making uh, Paris. I always get it slightly Locarno. wrong. Locarno. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, they don't want to be tied to that specific history, even though I think it would have made that character more awesome. So I think it's probably a lot of that. But uh, who do you think... Was in the mix. Who would you have considered? I don't know. To come over? I mean, I'm assuming, I wonder if it was like as a result of Michelle Forbes saying no, that they were like, we need to bring someone in from TNG. Do you know what I mean? You think that that decision predated him, huh? Predated Predated O'Brien being in the mix. I don't know. What I guess what I'm saying is I don't know. I feel like O'Brien makes sense. I also think that they have their favorites, clearly. Like, they kept bringing Colmini back, even though he wasn't, you know, a major thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's also they were reading the, the, the tea leaves in terms of the fans. Well, if that was the case, they would have had Biff Yeager on here. That's <laughs> true. It was a huge campaign. That would have been amazing <laughs> if Biff Yeager was suddenly a major character. What if he was the chief of ops, you know? What if he was ops? <laughs> to protect the shops. Why hasn't anybody cleaned this up? We've got all available personnel assigned to repairing primary systems, sir. The Cardassians took every component of value. We're virtually defenseless. I discussed this with Major Kira, the attaché assigned here by the Bajoran government. And Understood. Decided... 
What, what about he, the civilians uh, who operate? A couple questions here. Mm. Why does he cut him off there? Because he doesn't need the whole thing. He like understands what happened. So uh, the Cardassians leave. Is it implied that they've left because they've already stolen or squeezed everything that they they want? No, they had to. They had to. The Cardassian occupation was over. They had to. They had to evacuate. And can you restack this for me? Why was the Cardassian occupation over? Because of uh, the 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 Bajoran. I mean, I think it was. I guess what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get to is like why. I understand that they leave and that there was some agreement reached, but it's like at the end of the episode, um, they're it's they're clearly in an area where they're willing to start a full war with the Federation, but not for dumb reasons because the the guy at the end is willing to shoot a you know just destroy. Deep Space Nine, or at least, you know, disable them and, and take over again, which would start a war. So I guess I'm just trying to figure out, like, what is the political reality here? Why why do the Car- are the Cardassians willing to leave this area of space? Also, how close are we to Bajor? We're orbiting Bajor. We're orbiting Bajor. So, and they were... So they yeah so well, like why did they leave? Because the occupation of Bajor was over. They had been pushed out by the Bajorans. I see. And the resistance with with the help of the Federation. No. On their own. I believe that is the that is the case. Yeah, they called the Federation after. Impressive. I I always get the sense that Bajor was always, you know. They were always more of a resistance than able to actually push the Cardassians off. But I get, maybe they made themselves enough of a problem that they, that the Cardassians were finally like, screw this. You're really filling in a lot of blanks for yourself, and I like that. But I guess I what I don't understand then is what the what the what the balance of power is here. What do you mean? Are the Cardassians afraid of the Federation? Are they? You know, like why leave this station? They're 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 pushed out, but it feels like it was part of a negotiation mm-hmm. because they stole everything and then left, but they didn't kill everyone. They didn't destroy the station, right? It's part of the treaty that was signed, redefining the borders that we talk about in TNG. I guess I'm wondering why they even bothered to I know, sign the treaty. I know in your mind, no one should ever surrender. And I get it here. <laughs> I'm like a major Kira in that way. No one, uh, no one should win a war. I guess she was. Everyone should fight to the end. That's not true. That's I just how don't you feel. What motivated the Cardassians? Why? Why would anyone? What motivated the Cardassians? What to fight? To continue fighting a losing war? To sign the well. For instance, okay, they're losing the war on the planet. They probably could hang on to the the. Deep Space Nine. To the orbiting station? Yeah. That literally is in orbit of the planet they're losing on? It's just not worth it. How would they do that? I don't know. Keep keep a complement of people there. Well, to what end? To so not, to not to actually withdraw like, and keep the conflict going. Both sides were not having a great time with the conflict. 
Is the I get the sense though that DS9 was Cardassian made. Correct, not... it is Cardassian made. Yes, it's a Cardassian station. So isn't that theirs? They don't have to stay on the planet. I'm not aware of what treaty lines were drawn and how they decided what equipment would remain or not. These are reasonable questions. You ask me, though. You're not going to convince me that they're not reasonable well, questions. Well, yeah, these are not reasonable answers for you to expect me to have. I'm not saying you... I, look, you're the... I'm not, I'm not quizzing you. I'm saying these are my questions. This feels like... They always feel like a tax. You can answer it or not answer it. They always feel like a tax and... Uh, <laughs> I don't I get defensive. This is, you are always saying that I'm the one who's sensitive. And I think this is an area where you are sensitive. Yes. You Anytime I ask a question, which is how this show is structured, I am. Uh, you, you respond as though I'm saying, hey, idiot, how come you don't know this? I don't know. Maybe you know it. Maybe you don't know it. I'm telling you what I, what I am. What strikes well, me is like something also... that at the beginning of the setup of the show mm-hmm. in this pilot. What my remaining questions are and what I should know from where we've come from in TNG and what I shouldn't know. Because I also am someone who can get distracted and obviously forget things. So I'm also, you know, there's also that aspect of like, is it something we've covered and I've forgotten? It is not something we've covered. But I understand that I can't expect you to have, you know, all of my, the answers to my dumb questions. Okay. It was part of the treaty with the Federation. As for why they left Bajor... You can consider the following. Bajor had an active resistance. Bajor had been mined for decades and depleted the, the any resources. So it was like a useless planet to them at that point. It was on the edge of Federation space. And the Federation could defeat the Cardassians in a war if they had the political will. Uh, okay. The wormhole had not yet been discovered. So Bajor was of little value. Right. So that's the, that's the key thing is that Bajor was a problem. They were making themselves enough of a problem, aka, and or they were just defeating uh, the Cardassians to the degree the Cardassians were like, "Screw this, we're out of here," and there was no reason to stay at the space station and keep a complement of people there. Yeah, the occupation then, of Bajor became strategically unsound with the end of the war, and with the Federation and the industries on Bajor weren't profitable enough to warrant staying. Cardassian officers stated that several times in the series. That the Bajoran resistance played a minimal role in the decision. Ultimately, the Cardassian civilian government made the political decision to pull out of the Bajor system. It's interesting that they frame it as a political decision, which is... Well, it's bordering Federation space. So the more you antagonize a people that ask for the help of the Federation, the more you risk going to war with the Federation. Right. Right. And so the idea is they've already gotten everything they want off the planet. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. All right. Um. I'd like to thank uh, Cora for having the answers that I don't. And then, uh, in terms of Major Kira, um, she's an attaché. I was kind of confused about the command structure. She's the first officer. Uh, and she she's not she's not in any way connected to Starfleet other than not at this time. Uh-huh. Think about uh, it like on on Enterprise how you have uh, to Paul as the first officer. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. All right, here we go. A lot of them <laughs> lost everything they had. A few are trying to rebuild, but most are packing up to leave. 
Welcome, Commander. Please enter. The prophets await you. Another time, perhaps. Another time. Do you sell those hoods? Can I get one of those hoods? I didn't really think that of one? it as ominous. Go ahead. I didn't think of that Bajoran as ominous. What do you mean? They play I thought a of it. Ominous? I really, I really like. Also, Definitely mysterious. Also, Cisco's answer. I was like, that's the best answer you could have given. <laughs> that is a good answer. I agree. <laughs> um, Another time, perhaps. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta weave that more into that's my great. Uh, my daily interactions with people. <laughs> um, and this interaction didn't. I mean, I think this is clearly intended to be mysterious, but. Uh, this interaction didn't make me ask questions so much as the later interaction. Then he kind of sneaks up on him and he's like, now it's time. Mm-hmm. And Cisco comes with him. Why is Cisco? There's no, there was no pre agreed. That's the first time he, Cisco meets him. Cisco has no idea what that guy's talking about. And, yeah. and later on, he's just like, all right, I guess I'll just go with this guy. Is that what happens? Or is he? No, he's told by. So Kira tells him the importance of, the religious order on Bajor. I see. And Cisco goes to see the religious leaders on Bajor after Kira sort of coaxes him that way. Yes. That I understand. This guy comes back later, or is he connected to the religious leader? Yeah, he's in the, the other lady. Order. I understand. Yeah, he's a monk. He's a what? He's a monk. A monk. I see. And that's why Cisco's. Like, all right, I'll come with you. You're part of the religious order. Yeah. Also, he's like, you know, putting on a good show here, trying to be respectful right. it, of the Bajoran. And it felt like a weird vibe the second time. This time, I understood it was just supposed to be mysterious. But just to be clear, there is no connection, or is this a spoiler? I think I might be asking. There's no connection for him in terms of whatever these other, the prophets or whatever these other entities are prior to him coming to DS9. If that's a, Hang if that's on. a spoiler. Are you saying like uh, Starfleet or some somebody sought out Cisco specifically? Right. To I come guess to I'm the saying this guy, no. this guy coming up to Cisco, his vibe, his vibe later is like, a kind of you're the chosen one come with me yeah kind of vibe that is me. the vibe and it's not any foreknowledge of cisco or anybody in the federation it's not based on anything it's just the vibe that is that that guy is given off right so if he is the chosen one isn't that up to the people who decide he's the chosen one no one on the federation side or cisco knew that he would become right you but know did the prophets know or whatever they are? Uh, no. This is the okay. first meeting of the prophets ever. That's my, primarily, my, my primary question. Gotcha. Very good. Jake, I want you to stay here till I come back. Is this the food replicator? I'm afraid they're all offline. There's plenty of emergency rations. I could send some down. Dad... Jake's showing some Alexander tone so far. No, just wait till he gets together with Nog when they get into shenanigans. Been running, Jake, okay? 
Okay. Okay. I like that moment. Mm-hmm. I also like that it's just a quiet. It's not. It's not Worf shouting like, "No, we they can't." You're not acting like a warrior. It's just him being like, "Come on, step in, step in." Yeah. I like it. I'd like to ask the designer what he was thinking about when they built this place. I still haven't been able to find an ODN access. Ah, uh, that's the prefix office up there. So all others have to look up with respect. Cardassian architecture. Yes, sir. Major Kira's been using it. Well, it's my office now. Is it my imagination, or is it unusually warm? The environmental controls and ops are stuck at 32C. We're working on it. What's that in Fahrenheit? That's not true. Hot. I guess it's time to meet Major Kira. Sir, have you ever served with any Bajoran women? No, why? I was just wondering, sir. They become meaningless. I just don't agree with sidestep. I mean, I really <laughs> did. I really did like that. Like that was that was a clever way to not get O'Brien to go like. Yep. They avoided a sticky witch yeah. wicket there. <laughs> yes. I'm Benjamin Cisco. I suppose you want the office. Well, I thought I'd say hello first, and then take the office. But we could do it in any order you'd like. Hello. Is something bothering you, Major? You don't want to ask me that, Commander. Why not? Because I have the bad habit of telling the truth, even when people don't want to hear it. Perhaps I want to hear it. I don't believe the Federation has any business being here. The provisional government disagrees with you. The provisional government and I don't agree on a lot of things, which is probably why they sent me to this godforsaken place. I have been fighting for Bajoran independence since I was old enough to pick up a phaser. We finally drive the Cardassians out. And what do our new leaders do? They call up the Federation and invite them right in. The Federation is only here to help, help us. Yes, I know. The Cardassians said the same thing 60 years ago. Major, when I was ordered here, I requested a Bajoran national as my first officer. It made sense. It still does, at least to me. Now, you and I are going to have to find some way to... Yes, Major? Odo, are you reading something at A14? My security array has been down for two hours. I'll meet you there. Uh, early Odo wrinkly makeup. What do you think? Wrinkly, it's it, what changes later. Oh, it gets it more, more like just more like a smooth clay-like features. Uh, I have no perception of that. I mean, I only vaguely know that character. So I also feel like I like the look. Odo is Odo is the most of the time character. Meaning, in terms of design, in, in terms of. The early '90s being fascinated with morphing—that <laughs> is certainly true. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this shape is, shifting and morphing. This is, is really true. This is when is uh when is T uh, two is ninety one two ninety one yeah. So it's it's obviously like it took two years to get to like oh we can do that on TV now yeah they still do it in a sort of fashion. I'll tell you I'll tell you my main. 
the main thing that struck me, I like the characterization. I like that he's a constable. That's a little different. Uh, I like the, uh, and the, the characterization is, I like that they have two characters. Are there any more? There are definitely two characters in Kira and Odo that are both bad attitudes, both cantankerous, like mm-hmm. pissed off people, um, which is appropriate in this, in this, you know, political situation. Um, uh, but one thing that struck me, particularly when he, they, he goes over, you know, he, they, they he takes the shape of the bag and then he goes over. And also when he ducks the fucking, um, shot, it seems like a fully shape-shifting, very powerful character is sort of overpowered as a main character, it struck me. It seems like there's so um, many ways to solve situations with a shape-shifting superhuman. I would Although say I they don't they, just... they don't overuse it. Well, I mean uh-huh. that's it's hard to I mean, I don't have a problem if they use it in clever ways. It just seemed like if you're like, okay, we're picking characters that are going to be part of this, it definitely is fucking cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, although I agree with you, the effects are like, we can make someone morph now. But uh, it just seems like, you know, it's like the Troy problem of, is this is too much of a solution solver, a solution uh, of a problem solver, problem solving character to throw in. Although I guess Andy. Data was superhuman and they just chose to ignore it when they wanted to ignore it. I guess Data's an overpowered superhuman and they just use it when they want to. But it's just interesting to me when you're starting a new show that that's not more of a consideration. I mean, by that token, too, it's uh, that's sort of how um, that's sort of how the I don't even my brain just broke completely well, it was we've what got through a lot of episodes before it happened I guess it was due nothing there was nothing in my brain there that was upsettingly bizarre ah oh no alright <laughs> here's Picard come commander yes please come in by the way Welcome part of me thinks it's been that the reason they didn't make him a captain at the top yeah. was to have these exchanges with Picard. <laughs> Maybe. So that he was oh, still God. a superior and he yeah. had to take orders from him. Had to swallow it, yeah. Captain. We met before. Yes, sir. We met in battle. I was on the Saratoga at Wolf 359. Just such, such gold. This performance been from from Stewart. Briefed on the events leading to the Cardassian withdrawal. Yes, sir. I understand they spent the last half century robbing the planet of every valuable resource before abandoning it. They left the Bajorans without a means of being self-sustaining. The relief efforts we've been coordinating are barely adequate. I, I've come to know the Bajorans. One in particular I'm that's not on the show. Strong proponent <laughs> of their entry into the Federation. Is it going to happen? Not easily. The ruling parties are at each other's throats. 
factions that were united against the Cardassians have resumed old conflicts. I like that aspect. That Mm -hmm. is so true to life. Your job is to do everything, short of violating the Prime Directive to make sure that they are. I have been made aware by Starfleet of your objections to this assignment. I, I would have thought that after three years spent at the Utopia Pernicia Yards that you would be ready for a change. I have a son that I'm raising alone, Captain. This is not the ideal environment. Unfortunately, as Starfleet officers, we do not always have the luxury to serve in an ideal environment. I realize that, sir. And I'm investigating the possibility of returning to Earth for civilian service. And perhaps Starfleet Command should be considering a replacement for you. That's probably a good idea. I'll look into it. In the meantime, however... In the meantime, I will do the job I've been ordered to do to the best of my ability, sir. Dismissed. Just a fantastic scene. And of course, I would have had no conception of how fantastic that scene is. Uh, not having had the history. But just... Oh, gosh. It's so... Do We don't ever see him... I'm sure we do at some point, but it just it feels like this is one of the first times we've seen Picard deal with victims of what he did as Locutus. I mean, and as far as I can remember, this is one of the only times. It's sort of like the prior the things are just him dealing with the, the trauma himself for his own experience. Mm-hmm. But it's like, he doesn't fight back because it's like, what am I going to fucking say to this guy? He's, you know... Yeah. I feel as bad as he does. Right. Um, it's just so beautiful and really well played by Avery Brooks. And uh, and I think my initial reaction to Avery Brooks was Ugh, too theatrical. And uh, and this is a scene and the scene with his the the death of his wife that are it's like that's really using his theatricality to such good use. Um, Did you uh, feel that way when you watched Spencer for Hire? Uh yeah, I thought it was a very good Spencer for Hire Hawk. Sure, are you a huge Spencer? I think I've asked you this before. You must have been into that, right? I mean, it was Boston's own program. You know, yeah. they shot some of it in Boston. It was always a big deal when they were in town. Sure. Um. Uh, Utopia Planitia. What did he yeah. do there? Do you know? He was uh, involved with starship design, hence the Defiant getting made. And but that's the did future. they move him here? Do, would you guess guess uh, because there's a lot of repairs and infrastructure issues and like <laughs> why him? It's a good question. Because it seems like he doesn't he wouldn't didn't want to be here. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess it's the same sort of thing of like, well, why 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 will Riker? Why is he the first officer on the I ship? I thought Will Riker was trying to get on the Enterprise. No. Or that I mean Picard. Or that Picard is very carefully handpicked him, I thought. It's like yeah, there but, was a reason. But there's a why to that though. Yeah. Why would why would he carefully choose him? Yeah. Yeah. But those those reasons add up to me. Whereas this is sort of like, oh, I wonder why. Also why Especially would Starfleet didn't want to go. Why would Starfleet choose the 
transporter chief of a starship to run all of the upkeep of a space station? I mean, I think that that is a really valid question, and I think I'm trying oh, to I didn't think... mean for it to be. I just meant for it to be like a... These are the things we don't ask so that we well, can enjoy it's television. it's like there was a perception... There's certainly, obviously, a perception post-TNG of, of O'Brien being you know, both the transporter chief and kind of an engineering genius. Is that, was that true at this point? Or is that just that I've gotten that through the, through osmosis and, or on TNG, was he such that it's like, oh yeah. I mean, we certainly have the episode with Troy where, you know, where Troy's sort of in, in command and he seems to know his way around. Yeah. And like, you know, when he pulls apart the transporter system, when Barkley has his issues, yeah. Then when he, you know, he has to go talk to his commander of the Rutledge, who uh, goes on a Cardassian killing spree with the starship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. It's also Utopia Planitia, as I, my vibe is post-Saratoga. He's like, I got to get out of space for a little while. Well, it also is like next to Earth, so. And he's got that kid. Jacob's kind of taking it pretty well. Please come with me. This is pretty sweet. The, uh, the trap, the hidden trap door beneath the fountain. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if the water was a CG. I guess it was. I don't think so. I think that they just composited the water image over it. But it is the threat to our spiritual life that far outweighs any other. Perhaps, but I am powerless until... Commander! cannot give you what you deny yourself. I'm sorry? Look for solutions from within, Commander. Come with me. What is it? The tear of the Prophet. Sorry, it's just that this. Jen? Yes? Jennifer? I'm sorry. Did we meet last night at George's party? George? Jennifer. <laughs> the three lines, the three sequential lines there, it makes me laugh because it's Jen, yeah. Jennifer, George. Jennifer. <laughs> but like he only says those words but conveys so much in each saying of the word. 
uh, I don't know. I just thought it was always, I was, I always appreciated that. Um, now you're about to hit right in this moment. I think the moment that I emotionally checked out of the series and was like, I'm not watching this anymore. <laughs> Why is that? Wait a minute. That's, I don't know. What is that? What? I guess keep playing. This is impossible. Are you okay? I know this place. This is Gilgold Beach, where we met. We met here before? I was carrying three lemonades. The sand was burning my feet. And I stopped here to... Ow! That was it. Do that you realize how incredible... <laughs> <laughs> that whole progression... <laughs> I was like, uh, 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 I'm not on board with any of this. <laughs> I'm Interesting. This show. <laughs> and I watched the rest of the episode. I thought maybe I turned it off then. You might have only watched part one. Um, I was like, his performance is hammy. I'm not into it. It's theatrical. Hmm. I don't like that it's a parking lot. Hmm. I, they're locked. They can't go anywhere. Um, but then a wormhole opens to yeah. a whole other quadrant. Yeah, I think it didn't convince me. It felt like they were just like, yeah, but we can have other other people come to us. <laughs> have appeared in the skies over the past ten thousand years. If anybody wants to make the Cardassians that took the others moment into it. You must uh, find the celestial temple cue, before they do. The celestial temple. Tradition says the orbs were sent by the prophets to teach us. What we have learned has shaped our theology. The Cardassians will do anything to decipher their powers. If they discover the Celestial Temple, they could destroy it. What makes you think I can find your temple? This will help you. Kaiopaka. I can't unite my people till I know the prophets have been warned. You will find the temple. Not for Bajor. Not for the Federation. But for your own pa. It is quite simply, Commander, the journey you have always been destined to take. Um... I think part of it too that like I sort of found unappealing when I was a kid was like the religious aspect of it. Uh-huh. And it was just it's all it's the religious aspect of it is very surface level. Uh-huh. Because they have they they science all of it. But I think I was just too even just the hint of it was No, I was just too like I was too uh unaware of the sciencing of it i mean as always the shadow that star trek casts over modern fantasy sci-fi superhero entertainment is so huge uh just because i i feel like you can draw a line from this is religious and it's myth but it's grounded in these concepts of science can be drawn directly to what they've done with um, Asgard and, and the MCU. Here at 0.1, 
The Enterprise has been ordered to the Lapolis system. They're scheduled to depart at 0500 hours after offloading three runabout class vessels. Meanwhile, our medical and science officers are arriving, and I'm looking forward to a reunion with a very old friend. Commander, if you'd like me to give them a tour with of the station. With an old friend. You and Dr. Bashir, go ahead. I'm afraid I don't <laughs> <laughs> right away. He found the thing. He found the thing he's always looked for. I did it. <laughs> Told you they say it a lot. <laughs> Jadzia. Oh. Maybe we could get together later for dinner. This is crackers. Or, 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 or drink. This guy's a walking I'd HR problem. He's a little young for you, isn't he? He's 27, I'm 28. 328, maybe. Did you tell him about that slug inside of you? Yes, Benjamin, he knows I'm a trill. He finds it fascinating. He's never met a joined species before. I wonder if he'd been as fascinated if you still looked the way you did the last time I saw him. Perhaps not. This is going to take some getting used to. Don't be ridiculous. I'm still the same old Dax. More or less. I still am. All right. I assume this 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 uh, series will train me how to how to think about the trill because I'm I'm always I'm perpetually a little bit confused at the uh, at like how much is the same person and how well, much is you, not that's the same you have, person. You have discovery to thank you for that. That you think that discovery has confused you about. The you think trill. they've muddied the waters completely. More. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, however, uh, also. <laughs> Bashir's behavior in that scene is insane. Just he's he has to ask her out in like two inches away from these other two people that are watching the scene. It's I crazy. Mean, it's also pretty good, I think. Uh it's also very he's very thirsty. He's very sweaty in that scene. I feel like he's always very thirsty. Like, even when he met Data, he was thirsty about Data. I think he's thirsty about everything. Yeah, I guess that's valid. I'm afraid we've had some security problems. Looks like looters got in here. Oh, this'll be perfect. Real frontier medicine. Frontier medicine? Major, I had my choice of any job in the fleet. Did you? I didn't want some cushy job or a research grant. I wanted this. The farthest reaches of the galaxy. One of the most remote outposts available. This is where the adventure is. This is where heroes are made. Right here. In the wilderness. This wilderness is my home. Cardassians left behind a lot of injured people. Doctor, you can make yourself useful by bringing your Federation medicine to the natives. Oh, you'll find them a friendly <laughs> natives. You know, it's interesting. This mm. should have been the series that I was like, oh, okay, I'm on board with this. Because part of my problem with TNG at the beginning was that everyone was bland by... Roddenberry's design. There's no mm -hmm. conflict. This one's filled with conflict, mm -hmm. um, and people who are like are getting in each other's faces. So it's odd. I wonder if the Kira aspects, because I knew Roe enough, but I was like, nah, they're just trying to do Roe, and I I like Roe better. 
Um, because Nana Visitor is doing a fantastic job here. And I even like that they're presenting Bashir, feel free to disagree with me, as kind of a douche. He's just like, he's vain and he's got his own perspective. like, yeah. He he is being well, insensitive they, and unaware of the situation. Just like I'm doing, I see you. You focus a museum piece. It's just really interesting. I think as, as far as pilots go, they do a really good job of drawing each character in yeah. the short time they have with them, and not necessarily as that that they're you know they're flawless people, right? In some Cardassian laboratory, being turned upside down and inside out. Benjamin, I was happy when I heard you accepted this assignment. I'd been worried about you. It's good to see you too, old man. What if that's Computer, create to a database for all historical references to the orbs, including all. Clearly not. Yeah. Well, maybe she's just being polite. <laughs> all reports of any unexplained phenomena in Bajoran space. Time parameters. 10 millennia. Initializing database. Requested function will require two hours to complete. I forgot about that they put everybody in the TNG uniform and slowly yeah. and slowly shifted them into the DS9. Oh, is it different? Um, yeah. Yeah, the DS9 is the Voyager uniform. Oh, is it? Yeah. How would I know that? What are you talking about? What do you mean? You watch, saying, you've seen Voyager. This, this. Yeah, look. but I haven't seen DS Nine. Yeah, but Cisco's in the in it right here. Oh, in this episode, you're saying they shift. Yeah, everyone by the end of the episode, everyone's in. Like Dax gets in it. Everyone's. Oh, in I it. yeah, I'm not the I'm not the uniform horse that you are, so I didn't notice it. Mm. I think you were saying later on in the series. No, I mean in this episode, like uh. O'Brien. Look at O'Brien. He's in his TNG episode. I stuff, mean, I hear it now. Suddenly, he gets in his jumpsuit. Meanwhile, I, let's figure out who this person is. Are looking at characters and story. Not me. Uniforms only, baby. <laughs> mm, must be Delta Shift. <laughs> is this Delta Shift? Is this lady in Delta Shift? Is that who she was? The captain's in the ready room. She's uh, Lieutenant Should Delta. I tell him you're here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that okay. what uh, Angelica was asking for the whole time. Yeah. I wanted. I, we got to set, set Delta Shift. That young woman, <laughs> Lieutenant Delta. This lady too. Transport. She, we've seen her, I think, as a, as a, as a. Have we, Maggie? I feel like she's been in a. He's certainly, uh, he's reacting to all these people. The main thing is when the other one comes up to him, it's not. She doesn't just come up to him. And yeah, I wonder if I this was it's the actress's choice or if this was. Walk. Oh, I think that they, she's, she's such convey, a, a swagger of confidence. Kind of, I think she's conveying what was supposed to be conveyed. Right, that it's just like, well, we all know you, and you know yeah, me too. We all, we all know and love you, and we're gonna miss you. I think it was the wrong choice. I think she should have been sort of in awe of him. In awe of Chief O'Brien? She's yeah. Lieutenant Delta. Why would she be in awe of anyone? She's Lieutenant <laughs> Delta. She's, she's our old friend, Lieutenant Delta. Forward me to the ops pad, Maggie. Yes, sir. Mr. O'Brien. I, love I understand that I just missed you on the bridge. Yes, sir. I 
I didn't want to disturb you, sir. Luckily, Lieutenant Delta came right in after you left. <laughs> this is your favorite transporter room, isn't it? Number three. Yes, sir. You know, yesterday, I called down here, and I asked for you without thinking. It won't be quite the same. That's it's a great story, just a sir. transporter room, sir. <laughs> Permission to disembark, Captain. Permission granted. I wish he was like, no. <laughs> Make it so. Let's fly. Energize. This is so nice. I agree. So, the way this ran on the... How long had he been off of TNG by the time this aired, do you know? He hadn't been. He, they'd gone straight from Enterprise or from TNG yeah, within he was whatever in, episodes. He was in season five of TNG and then left by January when he was on this episode. Because it seems it seems like he's been working on DS9 for a bit at least. He two days before he yeah. had arrived on the Enterprise. Cisco okay. says it in the opening log. Give me a break. Um, Give me a break. I'm not listening to the things they're saying. I'm listening to the things they're saying. I'm not tracking everything. So they're the questions that I ask you that you don't have answers to, and you're offended that I'm asking you. And it's then the they're, you know, the like you watch this a billion times. I've watched it once. The first contingent of officers, Twice. including my chief of operations, Miles O'Brien, arrived two days ago. On the I'm not Brian. disputing it. All I'm saying is I've only seen this twice, and I knew that. What do you mean you've only seen this twice? You've only seen DS the DS9 pilot twice in your life? Uh-huh. Oh, you really don't don't care for this series. I don't care for this season. Interesting. I don't like I've how many times have you seen Encounter at Farpoint? Because I've seen that maybe three times. I don't know. Because it's bad. <laughs> I'm not saying this is bad, but I'm saying I don't often revisit pilots of Star Trek. Like I haven't the first episode of TOS. I've probably also, seen. Also, there's maybe twice. tons of of moments where you miss something and I catch it and I say, "No, it was this." And I just say, "Like, oh no, here's the information." You say it to me, like, "No, it's this." They said it. Like I'm the biggest idiot in the universe. I have to protect against your 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 questions that I don't have answers to. By treating me like I'm a dummy when I yes. have answers to that's completely yes. messed up. That is how it's supposed to work. You're you're that's Lieutenant, the premise of the show. You're Lieutenant Gaslighter. You're you're Commander Dip Dipshit. <laughs> <You're> not. <laughs> oh, Commander, I outrank you. <laughs> bearing two three mark two one seven, range thirty one hundred kilometers. Sensors are picking up unusually high proton counts. Setting a new course to those coordinates. So, I mean, conceptually, it's interesting, right? It's sort of like a... It's a, it's kind of like the pilot to TNG in the sense that Picard is sort of defending humanity against the Q. Uh-huh. And, oh, Cisco is defending humanity against the wormhole entities interesting like it's it's it, that it's very they're they're very similar in that sense anyway they go in a wormhole opens and 
an object near their last known coordinates. We already passed her flashback to the Trill transfer. Yes. Um, I guess we've seen some weird, again, a weird version of it on Disco, but I was shocked that it's like a surgical procedure wherein she is awake. They are both awake. It's an mm-hmm. awake surgical procedure. <laughs> I guess in the future. You know, the only other time, well, the other two More successful is... ways of numbing you out, but... That was like a planned transfer, you know? Yeah. Like previously we had seen it on TOS. I mean on TNG rather. And it was an emergency surgery that yeah. that Crusher had to do, remember? Yes. And then in the Discovery one, it is also an emergency situation, if I remember correctly. Like the host is dying. Right. Suddenly. This right. one is one of the ones that's like, this is the date that you'll assume host responsibility. You're saying for, it's just a, a less atypical right. surgical procedure. Yeah. It still startled me. Walking up. It's never explained, by the way, why she's the shape of a <laughs> of an orb and just oh, happens yeah. to appear on the... A species is known as human. I come from a planet called Earth. Earth? This is what my planet looks like. You and I are very different species. It will take time for us to understand one another. What is this time? I like that spin on what is love. (laughs) (laughs) What is time? What I is, mean, it's a, it's a heady. What is it's like a, morning coffee? It's a heady exercise, like trying to like think about writing an explanation the of answers time. to these questions. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I I was impressed by it actually. Lieutenant, you're with me. I, sir. You too, Doc. Time to be a hero. Yes, sir. See, he's thirsty for everything. Odo is you in that scene. He's like, I'm also annoyed by him. <laughs> I think I dug Odo. As a pilot? Uh, as pilots go? The fact that this is uh, the only moment that struck me as, oh, uh, here's, here's my exposition speech, is shocking. You have so many characters you're establishing. I know. And, and even here, it's like, at least in an organic thing of like, He's impressing upon her this yeah, why he to feels go. like he should go, and it's sort of connected to what he's saying. It's just, it really makes you fucking look at the other pilots, you know, even in the, in the, in the Star Trek world, and just be like, oh man, so much crammed in self-exposition. It's like they barely, it barely hits my radar. Well, I think that's part of the charm also, of DS9 is the characterizations and, and all of it done through character. Also, like even looking at Bashir, um, really all you find out about him is is that he was he had his picks, so you know he he was sort of top top ranking of like mm-hmm. doctors. And other than that, you just know it by behavior and how he's acting. Like that is what communicates to you who he is. You you assume you will get to his fucking backstory 
over time. I also wonder if there's an element of, by the time they're getting to DS, man, this probably was a lot of pressure on this pilot as well as anything else because they're extending their franchise. But I wonder if they had less pressure on this pilot than people who were not already running other franchises. Like Rick Berman must have had enough power to kind of get people off his back at that point. Um, The network, that is. I mean, I guess it would just be the studio because it's syndicated, so it would just be Paramount. Yeah. So. And yeah, he's uh, had that relationship with them for now six years or five years. Yeah, but he's got to have a certain amount of power. Yeah. Um, He did anyway. Is he dead? No. He just, you know, made Nemesis, and then they were like, hmm. We're going to take the franchise away. <laughs> Before it destroys us, it is malevolent. Aggressive. Adversarial. I thought that was Toby Huss. Oh, like, that's I, funny. I really thought it was. I was like, is, that, is Toby Huss in this pilot? <laughs> Must be destroyed. I am not your enemy. I was sent here by the people you contacted. Contacted? With your devices, your orbs. We seek contact with other life forms, not corporeal creatures who annihilate us. I have not come to annihilate anyone. Destroy it now. My species respects life above all else. Can you say the same? I do not understand the threat that I bring to you, but I am not your enemy. Allow me to prove it. I had a couple of thoughts. Yes, go. One is, do these people know what life is? They know they don't know what time is. Like, do they even experience life the same way that he does? He's saying we we value life. It's like, do the aliens know what life is? Unclear. Um, because he's making a hard sell on that. Uh, the other thing is, um, the uh, <laughs> when they go back to the baseball game. <laughs> I first thought was uh, was Cisco on the uh, 1919 Chicago White Sox. That's <laughs> <laughs> with those uh, uniforms. Talk about uniforms, <laughs> really old school baseball uniforms. Look, the man loves his baseball. Uh, and then the last thing was I was uh, I had a, uh, a something big mm. for Camille Saviola. <laughs> Secundas claim to fame. I know him from something big. <laughs> and I kept thinking, like, who is she? Who is she? And uh, what I know her from is Stuart Saves His Family. He <laughs> 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 was Stuart's boss. Yeah, very antagonistic. Very, very funny. <laughs> what is to come? It is one's existence. Then for you, there is no linear time. Linear time? What is this? My species lives in one point in time. And once we move beyond that point, it becomes the past. The future, all that is still to come, does not exist yet for us. Does not exist yet? That is the nature of linear existence. Like it's all, this is all very heady. <laughs> But like, also like He's to land on the, the way they like to be talked to. I guess I'll jump into the to like the sort of 
crux of of Cisco here and this sort of getting him over this death of his wife. Yeah. Like the whole like you exist here thing. I thought that was sort of brilliant in a way. Well, what I was going to say again, I I know there are a lot of people that love they love their disco. You go over to Patreon, you can hear episodes and episodes of us picking it apart and uh, and uh, and spitting our poison on it. But to me, this is a this is a perfect example of like a disco is so awash in the traumas of the characters. Mm-hmm. This is such a great organic way to deal with this character's trauma and even address it. Is not him blubbering and tearing and gnashing at his clothes he's been sitting in this for three years right um and they say it in the simplest way which is you know this is where you're still living it's such a i don't know it's just such a nice uh a writing way to to get at it and to if not resolve it then address it in this episode right and in uh, his behavior with with Picard, which is basically that's the trauma acting on him, and it's mm-hmm. all beneath the surface of both of the characters. I mean that, yeah, it, the whole, yeah, the whole like not wanting to stay there and not wanting to leave the Utopia Planitia, and like Dax having been worried about him, and yep, it all kind yes, of yes, like which is not called out, there. yeah, and and even in in the Picard exchange. It's not even what's said. It's almost what's not said in terms of his pain, his anger towards Picard for the connection to the trauma and mm-hmm. and Picard's connection to his own trauma and to his feelings of responsibility to Cisco played off of the, you know, the feeling of like, well, I'm still your superior officer and I got to resolve this. Right. It's so great. And it's all, almost all unsaid. Because yeah. it's faith. That, I think, is a big difference, I would say, especially with disco, but I think, in general, in good good TV writing and bad TV writing, and usually the network takes the stance of treat the audience like they're the biggest idiots in the world mm-hmm. and say, have the characters say everything. Right. There is so little that is said about the characters' backstories, about what's going on beneath the surface, A, because they show it to us, mm-hmm. they show they don't tell. And B, just because it's in the, it's sort of infused in the performances, and we figure we'll get to it later. Right. Yes. Linear procreation. Yes. Jake is the continuation of our family. It'd be amazing if this ended like the the V'ger thing, and the entity has sex with Cisco. Aggressive, (laughs) adversarial. Tell me us, right? Yeah. It's a game that Jake and I play on the holodeck. It's called baseball. Baseball? Also a little what is this? I was afraid you'd ask that. Baseball. I throw this ball to you. And this other player stands between us with a bat. A stick. And he and he tries to hit the ball in between these two white lines. Oh. The rules aren't important. What's important is, it's linear. Every time I throw this ball, 
A hundred different things can happen in a game. He might swing and miss. He might hit it. The point is, you never know. You try to anticipate. Set a strategy for all the possibilities as best you can. But in the end, it comes down to throwing one pitch after another. I mean, this is just great happens. life advice. With each new consequence, <laughs> the game begins to take shape. And you have no idea what that shape is until it is completed. That's right. In fact, the game wouldn't be worth playing if we knew what was going to happen. You value your ignorance of what is to come? That may be the most you know, important thing to understand <laughs> about humans. It is the unknown that defines our existence. We are constantly searching, not just for answers to our questions, but for new questions. We are explorers. We explore our lives day by day. And we explore the galaxy, trying to expand the boundaries of our knowledge. And that is why I am here. Not to conquer you with weapons or with ideas, but to coexist and learn. I want to say this also. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek is obviously packed from top to bottom with speeches about humanity and or the federation and what it means and mm -hmm. what they value and some of them are fantastic speeches and some of them are like well, you needed a speech here and you're just doing a speech or you thought you needed a speech here mm -hmm. um this is such uh to my mind a different spin in a way that has not been addressed about the experience of humanity and taking something that is essentially a negative, which is our inability to see the future mm -hmm. or be all-knowing, and make it the positive and, and put a finger on what is positive about our experience. It's just fantastic writing. Mm -hmm. um, and often, you just don't have the real estate in a pilot to do that. And uh, I don't know. It's the, the fact that they got it in, it's just really, it's really impressive. Um, in an organic way that serves the moment. I, I completely agree. Uh, meanwhile, on the station. If all you say... Station at the former coordinates of the wormhole. Unfortunately, our scans have revealed no trace of either the wormhole or Dukat's ship. A few minutes ago, three Cardassian warships crossed the border. No doubt on their way to search for Dukat. Mr. O'Brien, can you establish a high-energy Thoron field before they get into sensor range? I don't want them to be able to scan our defense systems. Aye, sir. They're hailing us. On screen. I am Gul Jassad of the Cardassian Guard, Seventh Order. Where is our warship? With any luck, they're in the Gamma Quadrant on the other side of the wormhole. What wormhole? Our sensors show no indication of a wormhole in this sector. <laughs> That's because it just collapsed. What? We believe it was artificially created. That may be why our sensors never picked up any of the usual quantum fluctuation patterns. You expect me to believe that someone created a wormhole and now conveniently has disassembled it? That's exactly what I expect you to believe. This guy's putting a little too much mustard on his Cardassian. I mean, flooding of the Cardassians we know, feel like that's... <laughs> the, the, the forward <laughs> phasers. Red alert. 
shields so, up. I realized oh, now because I was like, how come they can't scan them? And they have that, that throwaway line about the Thoron beam. It seems like that's a huge technology to kind of throw away in one thing. Or did they establish it earlier in the episode? No, it's not established, I don't think. Isn't that a huge thing? Of like, uh, turn on the Thoron beam and then they won't be able to scan us. <laughs> Giant. Um, yeah, I, get, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't bump me. It's just like it's it's kind of like create a reason for our subterfuge so that we could possibly lie to them. Create, well, create, create a reason for us to be able to lie. I guess um, I was almost thinking... Is this something that Odo did when he was over there? And I wondered. Mm. There's two things. First of all, when they when they shot o- Odo over there, or when they tricked them into taking Odo over there, I I thought he was going to try and steal the other orbs back. I thought that was the reason he was going over mm. there. The fact that he was just doing it to get them out of the system was seems like a lot to do to just hide their escape. Although I guess later on it makes sense because. The wormhole turns out to be so important. But uh, although at that point, they don't know that it's that important. Oh, uh, another side note. I ha- somehow had in my head that D- DS9 was put there because of the wormhole. So it was very interesting to me that in this, it they discovered the wormhole in this episode. I thought it was cool. It's a great turn, certainly. For the pilot, I was just saying as an interesting note. I, I thought it was already there, because um, it's a lot. Again, that's a lot of plot to cram into even a two-parter. For all of our, we always are complaining about just like why do they put this in this episode? This is a two-parter. More should have happened. So much shit happens in this, these two episodes. Um, it's wild. Uh, just a side note. I don't know if I said it because we were having some tech problems, but uh, the uh, the moment of uh, O'Brien, of Picard, sending O'Brien back and that being his goodbye uh, was, I'm sure, resonant for all the people who watched it originally just because you were saying goodbye to that character. For me, I just finished watching All Good Things. So... That's essentially the goodbye to the Enterprise also. So I'm like I'm like O'Brien in that moment. It's really, it really got me that it's Picard also sending him off. What a really what a nice send-off. Um Yeah, it really was. And I like that like Picard comes back at the end of the episode, but you don't see him interact with O'Brien. Yeah. So you sort of just let that be what it was. Yeah. All available power to establish partial shields around critical areas. But if they hit the docking ring, we'll sustain heavy damage. Constable, if you would coordinate moving all personnel to safer locations. What was the last reported position of the Enterprise? At least 20 hours away. We've got to hold out till they get here. I can't believe the Cardassians would ever attack a Federation outpost. Doctor. You ever studied your military history of the border wars? Yes. You ever heard of the Setlik Three massacre? I assume, Mr. O'Brien, you would agree surrender is not a preferable option. You know what they do to their prisoners, sir. Uh, I wish it was like, 
do I know what they do? Let me launch into this. <laughs> you want to hear my backstory? <laughs> <laughs> Sit down. Or did you see that episode? Eyes <laughs> in the darkness, in the blink of an eye, I see her like this. None of your past experiences help prepare you for this consequence. And I have never figured out how to live without her. So you choose to exist here. It is not linear. No. It's not linear. It's a really funny thing to say while you're crying. I know. I know. I was in Stuart Saves His Family. I was mean. <laughs> I, I love that the uh, runabout apparently can tow fucking... <laughs> Very powerful. The Cardassian uh, ships, by the way, I don't remember seeing them before. I think they're kind of dumb looking. They look like cruise ships, like vacation cruise ships. Carnival I believe, I believe, and I might be wrong, but I believe when we did see the Cardassian warships earlier in TNG, they were cool. you liked them. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> I have a different look. Time right, is linear, Matt. We've heard it over and over. <laughs> Fire six photon torpedoes across Jassad's bow. We only have six photons, Major. We're not going to win this battle with torpedoes, Chief. She is. I see. This character is a badass. It's so. Also, like, they try so hard to establish this. Well, well, make sure they're good at their jobs. What a fucking great way in in ways she's she commands, in ways she's she problem solves, in ways she bluffs. It's just like. Also, it makes sense with her history fighting the the uh, Cardassians. Really, uh, really badass. Really sounds like you're coming around on this whole DS9 thing. Uh, I am. <laughs> I mean, I'm really the thing. I'm really the most impressed by is as a writer. I'm just impressed by this pilot, and it's so interesting to me that it didn't work for me. And I wonder if it was just because it was so positioned to be going after TNG fans. That of I was already you, of in which the you hole. Weren't. <laughs> no, yeah, I was in the yeah. hole. I was like, I don't, I don't care about the other thing. Now you want me to care about this thing? <laughs> I cared about Voyager. So we can figure it out. This is your answer. You don't think Starfleet took command of this space station without the ability to defend it, do you? Defend it? <laughs> your space station could not defend itself against one Cardassian warship. You're probably right, Jasad. Didn't they theoretically already destroy the, the other one? Fleet officer, they'd probably in well, the other in this gull's mind. I think that's the that's the gambit she's playing. Gotcha. Hence the quick turn to laughter. I see. We have a hopeless cause here, but I am just a Bajoran who's been fighting a hopeless cause against the Cardassians. I'm a humble Bajoran. Life. I was defrosted. So if you want a war, a 
I'll give you one. You know what? I think I thought she was overplaying it too, originally. And I think now with the benefit of having seen Roe, I see her as sort of an, a more extreme version of Roe. On field to block our senses, but we were able to penetrate it. What are their defenses? According to our scans, an estimated 5,000 photons, integrated phaser banks on all levels. When did they receive these armaments? And how did they install them without our knowledge? Somehow, they have created a, lot of sauce. a massive illusion of duranium shadows. What if it is not an illusion? It is! Why risk the confrontation? The Fourth Order can be here in a day. So can Starfleet. Mmm, conundrum. Anyway. Um, Report. And they, they fire, pew pews, pew pews. Explosion, explosion. So Brian's yeah. having some problems at one point. Oh, and he kicks the transporter? <laughs> Yes. I love that. And he says, we're going to have some... We're going to have to talk about this, the uh, computer in him. Oh, that's what it was. Never mind. The question has been answered. Because he's like, why would a computer tell me why I can't do something instead of just doing it? (laughs) This is... uh, uh, Also, Gul Dukat is a really promising villain. And... uh, and I thought his his point was valid about the wormhole of that. Like they're they're I feel like the writing is sort of saying to us that it's just like, well, he's being a crazy Cardassian and they're they're trying to warn him and then he gets screwed. But it's like his point is kind of valid. It's just like, I'm just gonna take your opinion for it. Clearly there's something of value here. There's like you know, he's sort of being reasonable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're a big booster of Moriarty and Gul Dukat. We all get it. I'm basing my information on Gul Dukat in this episode. And in this episode, he was reasonable. What about the episodes of Moriarty? There are only two to base it on. You're still a yeah, big booster. Yeah, I stand by my... You're yeah, still a he was, booster. You're he still was, a Moriarty booster. Yeah, because Picard lied to him and trapped him <laughs> in a fake world, even though he said he was going to help him, but he never thought about him again. And these jerks trapped Gul Dukat in a wormhole. <laughs> All I'm saying is that, I'm not saying that uh, I'm just saying he's he's reasonable for thinking like why would I trust you guys? I think Dalton is the hero. That we will proceed with major. I'm picking up a huge neutrino disturbance 15 kilometers off the forward docking ring. It's the wormhole. On screen. Chip. What did I tell you, Jassad? There's your wormhole. That's a little much. There you go. I wish it was uh, Randy Quaid in his plane from Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, back as a bitch. Rio Grande to DS9. On screen. Go ahead, Commander. Sorry to be I don't late. Know what I'm thinking. Our friend Goldicott had some problems on the other side of the wormhole. I see you've had a few of your own. A few, Commander. Goldicott is signaling his ships to disarm. Clear me for docking, Mr. O'Brien. 
Aye, sir. Cleared for Pad C. Buzz of conversation. I also really liked his reaction to seeing Jake. Casualties. Thirteen injured, Commander, and no fatalities. Log, Commander Benjamin Sisko, Stardate 46393.1. The life forms who created the wormhole have agreed to allow safe passage for all ships traveling to the Gamma Quadrant. With the arrival of the Enterprise, the Cardassians Seems have like a left big the ask. area. <laughs> I suspect um, the sight of their warship being towed by a Federation. There's one thing we skipped over, which is uh, Sisko's wife. Uh, comes up when he's having his going through his trauma reenactment there's one shot that has her coming out of the fire in in her bikini (laughs) (laughs) it's like keep her in the bikini that's fine (laughs) Um, uh, and the other thing was uh, in the process of all this Kira says well put on the shields and O'Brien was like what shields is that just because they haven't repaired the shields or because it never had shields? I don't know. Um, because I thought it was odd that Kira didn't know if they never had shields. Um, and the other thing is uh, O'Brien calls Kira sir, which I know is a thing that can happen, but it can go both ways. Because like, I know that... that uh, that um, Janeway didn't like it in one episode. And she didn't then- like ma'am. Or did she? Did she not like she sir? Like, she didn't like. She didn't like. It was whatever it was. I remember going. I thought like, was she didn't like ma'am. Mm, it's kind of nice. I think whatever it is, they people kept saying it to her, and she has never mentioned it again. Right. Uh, my other question is, um, they. Uh, but Bashir's taking care of everybody, and it seems like he's taking care of him for a bit. They still don't take him to a sick bay. Is that just because of the damage, or they don't there have a sick is bay? Or? No sick bay yet. Oh, no sick bay! Crazy. Yeah, there, there is a sick bay in the next episode. Yeah, they just in this. Remember, he walks in and it's like torn apart. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. He gets excited about the new frontier. Action runabout took the heart out of that fight. We're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that wormhole. Well, you've put Bajor on the map, Commander. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Audience. Regarding our conversation about someone to replace me, yes, I'm sorry I haven't had time yet to communicate that to command. I would prefer you ignore it, sir. I'm not sure that I can. Are you certain that's what you want? Because we cannot afford to have a commanding officer who is... I'm certain, sir. Kiss! (laughs) (laughs) 
Good luck, Mr. Sisko. Which way is my franchise? That way, thank you. <laughs> Ooh, double. So, what stage is this? Where's stage nine? With his face around here. <laughs> you can't cheat every customer who walks through the door anymore, Quark. You are a community leader now. Very well, very well. Perhaps we could discuss these new rules over a drink. If you don't take that hand off my hip, you'll never be able to raise a glass with it again. Oh, I love a woman in uniform. And three Fernalian science vessels are requesting permission to dock. Problem is, we've been retrofitting the airlock, sir. Half of them were damaged during the move, and most of the others when the Cardassians blew out the fuel conduits. I guess they'll just have to transport fuel. Business, business, business. Big set, big set, big set. Very cool. Not cool enough. Do you think there were company moves on this show were harder? Company moves being when you move you know, the whole all, the whole package, the cameras and all the people from one place to another. That the company was on this show were harder or easier on these sets because it was basically all one giant set. Uh, easier. Easier. Even yeah. though that there's different levels and shit. Although I'm sure like it was annoying to pull the cameras up on a crane. Yeah. And then everyone takes the stairs. I assume uh, that's what happened. Here's the other thing. And to, to to what I'm saying about the subtlety of these this episode comparatively not in the performances but in the <laughs> in the writing, uh, no fucking resolution between Picard and Cisco other than subtextually, mm-hmm. Cisco has made his decision. He's starting to work through his trauma, and he's which is not spelled out again. It's not a tearful whole thing. I mean, he has a tearful thing in the middle, but it's like. He's sort of starting to face it. It's the, uh, you know, it's the, it, he's sort of faced the thing of he, exi- you exist here. And so he's sort of like, you're right. I'm keeping myself stuck here. He's moving on. He says to Picard, I'm going to stay because he's going to face this new period of his life. And they shake hands. There's no, you know, I was holding against you because whatever. And you guys look cutest. And now I've realized I didn't fucking touch any of that shit. I like they just that. there's an, a, a subtextual understanding, and they both move on. And maybe Picard doesn't even know if he's forgiven him. It's just sort of like, well, I have to deal with my stuff, and you got to deal with your stuff. Good luck, Commander. Mm-hmm. Fucking great. I think I don't think Cisco would ever forgive him. Hmm? I wouldn't. Do they ever? Hmm. They don't ever feel free to decide no. what they don't ever. They, you never see Picard and Cisco together again. Oh, that's disappointing. This time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, a Bajoran terrorist seeks refuge on board the space station. He oh, I'm doing this out of order. I'm watching the trailer. It was oh, very right. dumb of me. That was very dumb of me. For the first time in... Guys, what's happening? Everything is happening. Next. And nothing. Okay, guys, time for the MVC. Who's gonna be the very best this week on DS9? Among the crew who stands the test, who saves it all just in time. Lots 
of characters on the show. The list is really long. Bashir, Jake, Garrick, and Odo. Gotta say them fast to fit the song. NBC, who will it be? O'Brien, Kira, or Nog, maybe. Cisco, Dax, and Quark make three. NBC, who will it be? Who will it be? NBC. All right, most valuable crew member on the station. I guess we can now extend that to anybody who happens to live on the station. All right. Uh, because, you know, Quark's not a crew member. And, that's, uh, that's fair. Garrick isn't. And uh, Garrick is a fucking Garrick guy. Garrick's everywhere, man. Everywhere and nowhere. Well, you could say Cisco obviously resolves the thing with the... Whatever they are, the, are they the prophets? What do we call these creatures inside the thing? Right now, I'm going to call them the wormhole beings. beings. The beings, <laughs> the wormhole, wormhole beings. Yeah. So he sort of re- comes to whatever resolution with them, but I got to give it to Kira. Kira is basically the the you know the hmm. the key piece that saves the station itself, buys the time. I mean, O'Brien obviously is very instrumental in it. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, Kira. I think the the station's still there when Cisco goes out of the wormhole because of her. Right. Bashir's a bag of rocks. <laughs> so far, yeah. so far, so bag of rocky. Now let's arbitrarily grade the show. How many Andy says this episode get? Um. You know what? If I was ranking it as a pilot, I would give it very high marks alone uh, just because it's so hard to write good pilots that accomplish everything you have to accomplish and also be dramatically satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of hammy performances, which I think is the thing that turned me off. Um, but in terms of... Uh, uh, and a little bit uh, melodramatic at some points, but really, when I'm watching it now, the grounding of the, the like the, just the choices from scene to scene that they're making is like they're giving us new information. They're developing the um, the uh, the 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 plot. They're setting up the world. They're setting up the characters, and it's in a way that doesn't seem sweaty almost ever. So right. uh I would say I'm I'm deducting a little bit because of the um because of some of the hamminess. Um I give it a nine point five. Uh wow. Whoa I, wow. It's wow. primarily because of how wow. how I grade it as a pilot. But I w- I will say it's not it doesn't it doesn't like hit me like this is the greatest thing ever and I'm gonna keep watching it again and again. So I might go a little bit lower, but I'm going to stick with that just because of my respect for it as a pilot. Uh, I was going to give it a six. Whoa! Because it's pretty dull, I think, for the most part in the middle. Um, I think uh, it is a great introduction of all the characters as far as like, you know, a couple lines of dialogue, you know who they are. Um, but it was, it's a, it's a, I found it too dull. It all you know, works. Funny. I think it's a little long. 
I'm not going to take my uh my my ranking back, but it is funny that I'm giving a 9.5 to a to a show that did not succeed in holding me as a viewer because that supports your theory. Right. And I guess I'm just looking at it with the eyes of someone who has just watched TNG and with the eyes of a writer who knows how hard it is to write a a successful pilot. Um so there you go. Um Let's stick with nine point five for now. My, there you go. Successful my feeling pilot. is to lower it to a nine, but I'm gonna leave it. All right, that'll do it for your Andes. Now we're gonna take a look at the trailer for next week's episode. Uh, here we go. Next time on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, a Bajoran terrorist seeks refuge on board the space station. He has committed brutal acts of destruction. I want Bajor for Bajorans. But where do Kira's loyalties lie? You expect me to commit some act of violence against the Federation? There is an armed bilaterium explosive device on board this ship. No more wormhole. No more Federation. Next time on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Interesting theory. No more wormhole, no more federation. Hmm. All right. Here we go. I think we're going to find out a little bit of in this first season of why the show didn't hold Andy, and uh, it'll get real good eventually. Excited. All right, everyone. If you want to hail us, do it. Listen to the little sting at the end of the episode. That'll tell you everything you need to know about how to get in touch with us. And uh, we look forward for the to the next hundred and seventy five of these. Holy crap! Yeah, <laughs> that is oh, intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> All right, there you go. We didn't know you say disengage. I did. I can't. I I haven't heard a lot of your effects. Oh, that's bizarre. Slash. All right. Disengage.